This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. Forgiveness, part two, forgiving. As a new believer experiencing that cleansing flood of God's forgiveness, I was really grateful that I could now lay down all my accumulated wickedness at the feet of Jesus and walk away cleansed. It was exhilarating. I felt free and clean for the first time and I loved it. Being forgiven is so liberating that putting it into words that accurately express the true experiences, it's just too cool to describe. But now, as I was forgiven, I discovered I needed to forgive those around me who've wronged me. And this is a lot different than being forgiven. This is really hard, but it's written all over the pages of Scripture that we must forgive others. In Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, wait a minute. I thought that forgiveness came about when we asked for it. This passage seems to have strings attached to forgiveness. I must forgive others? What if they don't ask for forgiveness? Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. Now, a talent was a weight of precious metal, silver and gold, and typically anywhere from 75 to 100 pounds. So 10,000 talents was a debt that nobody was able to pay. Verse 25, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And that was a lie. The guy couldn't pay that large of a debt. Verse 27, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, or basically a hundred days wages. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. In other words, forever. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's a scary passage. So forgiveness is a heart issue. We, being forgiven for everything we had previously done, must forgive others who owe to us less than we owe to God, a lot less. In other words, we need to understand how much we have been forgiven so that what is owed to us then appears to be minuscule in comparison to what we owed God. When we seek to forgive, in other words, we're looking for the opportunity to forgive and then we do it, this pleases God because it reveals that we honor Him and He forgave us. So we also have to forgive others. But if we refuse to forgive others, it shows that we are really not seeking after God. Rather, we are seeking after our own interests and not really showing any kind of appreciation for being forgiven that huge debt that was impossible to pay. Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. 
Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If we claim to follow Christ, we're going to do what His Word says. If we don't do what His Word says, we're not following Him. And if we're not truly a follower of Christ, where is our assurance for eternal life? Where is our assurance of His presence in our lives here and now? Where is the assurance that He will guide us into His righteousness and peace? It doesn't work. If we call ourselves children of God, we need to be children of God, behaving in a way that is consistent with our Father in heaven, imitating Him. Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, in the Exodus story, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea and prepared to enter the land of Canaan, which was promised to Jacob, or Israel, same guy. After a series of miracles that led them out of Egypt, they rebelled against God and were sentenced to 40 years wandering, not in the promised land, but around in the wilderness. And the wilderness is a dry and barren place of misery and emptiness. And it was the Israelites' choice to proceed into the promised land, but they decided it was too risky, so they were stuck in their wilderness of misery. They didn't trust God, and we can do the same thing. After we come to Christ and He begins a work in our lives, we can choose to rebel against Him and try to do our own thing. In a case like that of the Israelites, we can end up in a spiritual wilderness until we come to our senses and return to our Father in repentance. Jesus tells a story in Luke 15 about a person who demanded his inheritance and blew it all on a selfish lifestyle and then was left broken until he came to himself and realized what a putz he was. Luke chapter 15 verse 20, and he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. And they begin to celebrate. So the heart of God is to see all come to a place of repentance. And for some of us, we're so thick-headed that we must really crash and burn before we pull our head out of the clouds and see life clearly. But when we do, God's forgiveness is right there. And if we seek to imitate God, like Paul said in Ephesians 5, then we should embrace those who come to us with a heart of repentance and forgive them. That's not just forgiving them in the formal sense, I forgive you, but really it's rejoicing that they have come to that place where reconciliation is now happening. Imagine if the father of this son in the story had said, okay, I forgive you, but you know, you really irritated me and I'm never going to trust you again, but I do forgive you. How would that have made the broken son feel? Whereas a father rejoicing after his son's repentance must have made the son feel even worse for his sin, but even more love for his father for his mercy. That's the way God wants us to be merciful or full of mercy. James 2.13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. A forgiving heart is a merciful heart. Having mercy is huge in the kingdom of God, and God will reward the merciful person. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Now, what happens when someone has wronged us in a way where the emotional wounds never heal and they aren't seeking forgiveness? Are we mandated to forgive them? Well, if we choose to forgive them anyway, despite their unwillingness to repent, or if they're dead or it's an unknown person who victimized us, then God will honor that forgiveness that we offer up. And Jesus, he said on the cross when he was dying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And did that make all of them jump up and ask for forgiveness? 
No, they continued on their way and showed no sign of being moved by Jesus' plea for the Father to forgive them. But Jesus gave us an example of what a heart of faith looks like, even in the worst unfair situation imaginable. Jesus' mission was to save those who believed and convict those who don't. He was looking at life from an eternal perspective. So we are all still alive, waiting for that day when we can leave these miserable bodies behind and put on immortality, and our minds should be fixed on eternal things, things that matter eternally. That's where our focus should be. And obviously there are things that we need to focus on here and now, but our main focus in our life should be eternity, because that's going to last forever. And our willingness to obey Jesus, no matter what the cost, will earn huge dividends in eternity. So if I'm walking in faith, I forgive people, not because I'm such a nice person, rather because I want to please my king. So on that day, I'm going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. And if forgiving some jerk who doesn't care about me pleases Jesus, then I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to forgive them. It pleases my king. And the forgiveness needs to be real. Let it go completely. Let the Lord deal with that person's heart. Or in a case of a dead person, I've let go of their control over me because they are in eternity now. And there's nothing more I need to do with them. We've got to remember that eternity for the believer is going to be awesome. Eternity for the unbeliever, they're going to pay for everything they've ever done. Not just the heinous things, but everything. And if we didn't have the cross, we would be paying for everything. And if I had to pay for everything that I've done that's wicked, I would be hurting big time for eternity. So we get a pass. We get to go into the presence of the Lord. We get to spend eternity with him. And that starts now. We don't want to get to heaven and, oh, you're Jesus, I've heard about you. No, we want to get to heaven, fall down on our face before him and say, my Lord, my King, praise your name. A lot of people, they're going to be paying for their sins forever. So forgiving people, it pleases God and pleasing God brings about blessing in our life. Being merciful, we get mercy. By showing somebody mercy that didn't show us mercy, God is going to pour mercy out into our lives and I need all the mercy that I can get. So focusing on eternity, focusing on Jesus, and not letting people control you, allowing forgiveness to be a part of your life, letting go of those things that haunt you and giving them over to Jesus, and that healing will come. He will be your peace. You don't need to be controlled by people anymore. You have the King. So forgive people because it pleases Jesus, and it sets us free. Thank you.